Ah, uh, thanks, Marlissa Choir Orchestra. Take your Bible and go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 24, where we are making our way through uh, the book of Acts during these uh, many weeks of preaching. And so you follow me there uh, today in a message that I've entitled, A Gospel Preacher on trial. Speaking of gospel preachers, Sam Schwanky, it's good to see you come walking in here this morning. And sweet Emily, there with you, uh, home with us. They're uh, up doing a great work in the Northeast as we send them up there, and they're uh, planting and churches there and doing good work. So good to see you, young man. Keep it up. Amen. Yes, sir. Well, we're in Acts 24 uh, this day, and we if you begin in Acts 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, and 28, all of those chapters is really just one thing going on. It's the end of Paul. He's arrested, and he's in jail, and he's shipwrecked, and he's snake bit, and he's headed to Rome. It's all about the end uh, uh, of his life and the culture coming against the preacher. Does it sound familiar? The culture rising up and saying to the gospel fountain, no, no. And so in chapter 23, we found that they came against him. They tried to kill him. You remember he was miraculously set free from Jerusalem uh, when his nephew went and told the centurion, they're laying in wait, they're going to kill him. And he called for 470 soldiers and they picked him up. And they took him from Jerusalem up to the seacoast to Caesarea. And that's where we find Paul now coming in trial before one Festus the governor. And we're going to find him in this text as uh, we see him uh, right here. Uh, and Felix being the governor, Festus is coming next. But Felix the governor is going to have him on trial, and we find it in Acts chapter 24. And Becca, I'm going to ask you to do a little uh, different than I've asked you to. I want to look at just the first verse of Acts 24 right now. I'll make a few comments to get us started, and then we're going to go back and read this text in two pieces this morning. So we're in Acts 24. Look in verse number one. After five days, the high priest, Ananias, we've met him before, came down with some elders. They've come from Jerusalem down to Caesarea with an attorney. Uh-oh. Named Tertullus, he's the prosecutor. And they brought charges to the governor against Paul. This is almost like Greek theater in this text. There are the players, the high priest is Ananias. Tertullus is going to be the prosecuting attorney. You're going to find Felix is there as the governor. You're going to find his beautiful, beautiful, beautiful bride. Drusilla, and we'll see her next week as we come to look into the life of the governor uh, a little bit. And then, of course, we find the Apostle Paul, and they're bringing all of these pieces together for Paul to be on trial before the governor, Felix. America is arguably the freest nation on the planet. 
the First Amendment to our own Constitution sits like a boulder on bedrock that the government is not to bring a law against the free exercise of religion. And there's always this tension, and it's been very tense the last 20, 30 years. Arguably in the last 365 days, we've seen a tilt in what I, as a conservative, would say is a good direction. There have been some good things, but that tension remains because there is in our land a growing aggression against the free exercise of faith. It comes on three particular points. There are many others, but these are the mountain peaks of the tension. The abortion issue is first. When does life begin? When could you take it if ever? Who's guilty or not guilty? One year ago this last week, we had great victory in the abortion issue. In that we turned some law in favor of the baby in the womb. Yet there remains an onslaught against that, but we have seen victory. Amen. And we dare not stop fighting and standing for the least of these. The second area where this aggression comes is the homosexual issue. We see it mounting on every side. Sodomy is still sin according to the Word of God. A man and a woman are supposed to get married just like at this church yesterday afternoon a young man and a young woman got married. That's the way God intended marriage. And there is all kinds of foolishness now about changing your sex and two men marrying or two women. Or they now talk about a third gender. My Lord, even at Pisgah School, we know better than that. I am not saying that there are not young people that struggle because I know some and I've tried to counsel with some. I'm not saying it's not real, the struggle. I'm saying their science is false. And there is a truth. And this comes against us, and we see it with Jack Phillips, the baker, the issue of a man being made 
to put a certain message in his artistic design even of a cake and lawsuit. We've had victory in that area for Jack Phillips. And that is good. The third mountain peak after abortion and homosexuality where this aggression is coming is public prayer. Where you can pray, who can pray, uh, what you can say, what you can't say. Uh, this comes to bear on schools as much as anything, our public schools. We're, we're going to pray tonight down to Warrington campus for America. And then one month later, right here on the 6th of August, we're going to have a prayer meeting in this room. And it's all going to be about the start of school and praying for schools, both public school, private school, home school. We're going to be praying for students and those teaching. But when you walk into the public arena today and try to pray, uh, you can ask Coach Joe Kennedy uh, how difficult that is in the lawsuit. But we've had victory in that area of late. You want to know why we've had victory in those areas? It's because of the people that were appointed to the Supreme Court. All of those appointments have consequence, liberal or conservative consequence. And there have been good things that have happened, but it is a thin majority. But we never stop fighting the fight. And Jesus said, don't, don't. Don't be surprised. As a matter of fact, you are blessed. You are blessed when people insult you and they persecute you and they say all manner of evil against you. Sounds like a weird blessing, but that's what Jesus said. Don't be surprised when the world stands on its feet and insults you standing for Bible truth. It's as old as Acts. And we dare not back up, but remain Bible-believing Christians standing in the culture. Well, Paul's on trial for some of these saints. And we pick up the text of his trial after verse 1, the charges uh, were brought to the governor. We begin in verse 2 and read with me now down through verse number 9. After Paul had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying to the governor, since we have uh, through you attained much peace and since by your providence reforms are being carried out for this nation, we acknowledge that. Boy, is that a suck up or what? <laughs> he, he's sucking up to the governor. Here, here's the prosecutor saying, Whoa, all the great things you've done. We acknowledge this in every way and everywhere. Most excellent Felix with all thankfulness but that I may not weary you any further. <laughs> so I've not been bragging. It's, it's not being wearisome to Felix. He likes it. I begged you 
to grant us by your kindness a brief hearing. For we have found this man, he's talking about Paul, we found him a real pest. <laughs> First charge, he's a pest. I would to God they'd say about every Baptist in America, we're a pest. Standing for truth and being a pestilence is the bottom line of this word. He, he's a pest. A fellow who stirs up dissension among all the Jews throughout the world. A ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to desecrate the temple. Then we arrested him. We wanted to judge him according to our law, but Lysias, the commander, came along and with much violence took him out of our hands, ordering his accusers to come before you. And by examining him yourself concerning all these matters, you'll be able to ascertain the things of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the attack, asserting that these things were so. So the lawyer comes to tell us. And he brings these charges against Paul. He brings four charges against him in this courtroom scene. Number one, he's a pest. Uh, the word meaning pestilence, it has at its root a health issue. It's like he's a cancer. Paul is a cancer in our culture. And if you allow him to live, that cancer will spread in the culture. Number two, he stirs up dissension found in verse number five. He's always pitting one group against another group and he's bringing a divide. Let me tell you, friend, the truth of God is sharp and it sets one side at the light, left and one to the right a believer and an unbeliever. Number three, he said he's a ringleader of the Nazarenes. A sect, S-E-C-T, the root of that, he, that Greek word there is our word heresy. He's a ringleader of the heresy of the Nazarenes. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was asked. Well, one good thing came out of Nazareth. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. See, they didn't call them Christians to start with. They called them Nazarenes. They didn't call us Christians to begin with. They called us the way. Those were the words. And Paul is this ringleader of the Nazarenes. As Charles Gabriel wrote in that great old hymn that we sing sometimes, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean how marvelous <laughs> leave me up here by myself Oh, how wonderful is the Nazarene because he reached to save us. Friend, you'll never get to glory unless the Nazarene reaches and saves you. And oh, Paul is being accused of being a ringleader of the Nazarenes. I would that this city would say about Olive Baptist Church, that bunch down there is a bunch of ringleaders of the Nazarene, Jesus the Christ. Let it go out from Sure to sure that we believe in the Nazarene, that he is king of kings and 
Lord of Lords. And then number four, they said in verse six, and he also desecrates the temple. He even tried to desecrate the temple, and that's when we arrested him. So, Tertullus sets the deal, and he gives the accusation, and he brings the charges, and he prosecutes. Then in verse 10, pick up the text. And when the governor had nodded toward him to speak, he looks at him and says, Paul, now it's your turn. And we pick up the text. Paul responded, knowing that for many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. We've seen the charges, now comes the defense. Since you can take note of the fact that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship, neither in the temple nor in the synagogues nor in the city itself did they find me carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot. Nor can they prove to you the charges of which they now accuse me. But this I admit to you, Felix, here's my admission. That according to the way, rather than the Nazarene, now he uses the other phrase, according to the way, capital W, which they also call a sect or a heresy, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In view of this... I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience. We preached about that a couple of weeks ago, both before God and before men. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and present offerings in which they found me occupied in the temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia who ought to have been present before you and to make accusation if they should have anything against me or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council, that is the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, other than for this one statement. Here, Paul said, here's what I'm guilty of. I shouted out. While standing among them, here it is, for the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial before you today. Paul says, they cannot bring a witness that I desecrated the temple. As a matter of fact, I brought alms and gave an offer. They cannot say anything except that they serve God and I serve him as well in verse 14. Felix, I stand with a blameless conscience before God and man, and I stand before you. But I am guilty of one thing. I have both preached and shouted that the Nazarene died and got up out of the grave, and he is alive forevermore. I admit, church, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You you can get in a thousand different arguments with a thousand different people about two thousand different things. And some of those you should 
get involved in, but others you should walk away from. But this one argument you can never back down from. Is Jesus raised from the dead? We will stake our life on resurrection. That is, our, we have no gospel without that. Jesus is just like any other man if he lived and died and they put him in the ground and he's still there. But he got up. Bless God, can I get a witness that he got up? Yes. Why, if he hadn't got up, I might as well go play golf today. Even hot as it is, we'd go do something else. But dear friend, he did get up and he is alive forevermore. We take our stand that Jesus is the Christ and what he has said is true and he does not bat an eye and we stand upon it. And when this world brings you to the judgment bar, understand you're blessed. We live in a land It, it's a rare, rare deal that we see a Christian preacher or a layman brought to the courthouse for gospel preaching. Thank God for a nation where we can stand and preach, where we can live and shout the truth. It does happen from time to time. There is a law that is waiting on the governor's desk this very day in the state of Michigan, the state of my birth, that they're asking the governor to sign, and she said she would, that if you do not use the proper pronouns that people want you to use and that they feel like they have been feel. They wrote the word feel in a law. I read it. My soul. That if they feel like you have been aggressive against them, you could be fined $10,000 and put in jail for five years in the state of Michigan. It's waiting on the governor's signature this week, and I, I have no reason to believe she won't sign it. They'll bounce that to the Supreme Court. It, it won't take three minutes. I don't believe it'll stand the test of law. But you see that coming. And if it comes against you, blessed are you. Don't ever forget what Jesus said about you. If everybody's talking good about you, you better go look in the mirror. Now, you don't have to look for a fight. I know I got a lot of guys, they just look for a fight. You know, don't be looking for a fight. It, it'll come to you. You don't have to look it up. It'll look you up. And it'll come from some places you just never thought he'd come from. So Paul is here. They've accused him. He's made his defense. Well, what happens after that? 
Well, as you know, and my son will be in the next service, uh, Bennett went to law school, and he now is a prosecutor for the state of Florida. So he's in this text, but he's on the wrong side. Not that he would be in this, but the prosecutor is on the wrong side here. I sent his boss a message last night. Been seeing him sign up new prosecutors. That's a hard job. Do you know it? I didn't know much about that, but I've, I've watched that now. I've only been to see him work one time. And so they were having a trial, and his mother and I went to watch our son work. So we slipped in on the back row. They have pews in the courtroom. <laughs> I, I think that's a message. I don't know. But uh, so we slipped in on the back pew. And he argued, and they argued, and they argued, and they argued. And, and then finally, there's a guy sitting at the top. And he is the what? He's the judge. I found out something about Florida law, and it's maybe what I've read. They don't ever, they do on TV. All of the judges on television use a gavel. I was watching my cousin Vinny again the other day. <laughs> he broke the gavel when he hit. Bam, the head flew off of it. They, they don't use a gavel in Florida courtroom law anymore. I don't know why. It's just, I kept asking Ben, I said, where's the hammer? got to be a hammer. They say, don't have one. They don't use it. I don't know if that's just here, but. But when the judge speaks, it's done. He is the boss. He said what you want, but let me tell you, when he get, he then makes a ruling and a judgment. And that's what it is. So what happens here? Well, Felix is spineless. In verse 22, Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, he put them off. And he said, when it says the commander comes down, I'll decide your case then. Not now, later. He does it again. Not now, later. Friend, if you're going to be the judge, you got to decide. But Felix won't do it. But let me tell you, there is a judge who has and will decide. Yes, amen. The, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10 that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Felix. No, no. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done whether it be good or bad. Now, ladies and gentlemen that watch me today on television, ladies and gentlemen that are at the Warrington campus where we're coming tonight, I want you to join us. 
ladies and gentlemen in this building right here, you will appear. Yes, you'll appear. My wife got a summons to come be a juror. <laughs> Guess who the lawyer was on the case? <laughs> she walked in, and Bennett was the prosecutor, and she was supposed to be on the jury. And the bailiff came and asked her, said, are you his mama? She said, yes. She said, they're going to excuse you. <laughs> and they did. You get that summons, you appear. If you don't appear, they come get you. But let me tell you, friend, you will appear at the judgment. There is the one and only judge, and his name is not Felix. His name is Faithful, and he is the one who lived and died and rose, and he will judge us all. All of us. Everyone will appear. Kings will appear. Princes will appear. Judges that have judged will themselves be judged, and barristers that have advocated for others will need someone to advocate on their account. Pharisees and publicans will appear. Every man who says he's a good man will appear. Every wicked man will appear. Proud Pharaoh will be there. Sennacherib, the haughty, will be there. Herod, that tried to slay the young Jesus, will be there. Judas, that betrayed Jesus, will be there. Demas, that sold out God for the gold of the world, will be there. Pilate, who had tried to wash his hands in innocence uh, of being innocent, will be there. Every pope that is ever served will be there. Every Baptist preacher that's ever tried to preach will be there. Everyone will be there. Those that believe they've never had access into anything, you will appear. Those that think they're too good and they don't have to show up, you will appear. Every man, woman, boy, and child will appear. Everyone. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You will be there. I will be there. Young men will be there. Aged women and men will be there. If you're rich, you'll be there. Those with dainty dresses, you'll be there. Those that are poor, have rags only to wear, you will be there. Friend, there is no hiding place. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of what we have done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. The Bible calls that a general judgment. And we shall all appear. Matthew 25, 
31, 32, and 33 says that when the Son of Man comes in His glory, all the angels with Him, and He'll sit on His glorious throne, all the nations, every nation will be gathered before Him. And He'll separate them one from another as the shepherd uh, separates the sheep from the goats, and He'll put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. I sat in my office over here. Jean Ray, meanest woman that's ever been a member of Ollie Baptist Church. <laughs> there wouldn't be a ministry village if it wasn't for Jean Ray. Jean Ray came to my office. She asked me one day, she said, Pastor, have you ever read the 25th chapter of Matthew? I said, yes, ma'am. I've read all the Bible. I've read it several times. She said, you don't act like you've ever read Matthew 25. <laughs> I said, what? She said, you know, the Bible says in Matthew 25 that he's going to call us to the judgment and we're going to give an account. And that whole chapter, Pastor, is full of what have you done for the least of these? And she won't know if I thought I was going to be on the right hand or the left hand. That's the only person I've ever asked to leave my office. So, Miss Jean, I think we've talked enough. I'd, that'd be enough. She left, but the Spirit of God didn't leave. And God began to finger around my heart about this 25th chapter. He said, are you, you and your church? Is Olive doing everything they could for the least of these? And I heard that word, you will stand in the judgment for the way you lead this church to touch this community. Friend, I'm going to stand there. And you're going to stand there. And we will give an account at a general judgment. But then there's two other judgments. There's a beam of seat judgment. That's just for the saved. Some of us will get crowns and some of us won't. Some will get accolades and some won't. But he'll say, come in if your name's been written in the book of life. I just want my name be in that book. Thomas, that's what you and I talked about out in the foyer just a few minutes ago. Amen. We'll make sure our name's in that book. But then in Revelation 20, there's another judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. When he finishes with the lost, he's going to say, depart from me, I, I never knew you. And he will turn the lost into hell. Friend, you don't want to be at the great white throne. You won't be at the beamer. Saved or to be the judgment seat. But at that great white throne, when you appear, you say, I never knew you. Dear friend, don't you walk out of here today not knowing him. Jesus lived for you. He died for you. He, he got up out of the grave. He's the victor. He sits at the right hand of the throne even now. And one day he's going to sit on the throne and you will appear. 
you'll appear. I've never appeared but one time in my life in the courtroom where I was made to come and I was being charged. I was charged with driving 87 and a 50. Highway 72 coming out of Huntsville, Alabama. I was going home fast as I could go. Well, I wasn't going fast as I could go, but I was going fast as I dare go. One of Alabama's finest troopers pulled me over. He wrote me a ticket and he said, son, you're going to have to go to see the judge. You, this is too, you're going too fast to pay us on, uh, on a counter ticket. You can't go to the counter and pay this. You've got to see the judge. Now, I've shared this with you before. I stood before that courtroom that day. When I heard those words, the state of Alabama versus Ted Trailer, I knew I was in trouble. Those are bad odds, I'm here to tell you. I can't imagine having to stand there and say the state of Texas. He asked me how I pled. I said, man, I'm guilty as sin. I'm... In Alabama, they got a hammer. He hit that hammer on that deal. He said, see the clerk on the way out. Pay you fine. Church, you owe, you owe a fine, but I got you some good news today. The same one that's the judge paid your fine, and he paid it in full. Yes, he did. And when you stand before the judgment, the same Jesus that asks you about it is going to walk down and he's going to appeal on our behalf and he'll show to the court his hands, his feet, and his side and he'll say, I died for him. I paid the price of my own blood for him. Enter in, enter in, enter in to the glory that's been prepared for you. Amen? We're going to appear. You're either going to be received or rejected on what you've done with the blood of the Lamb. We're going to sing a song. It's the 4th of July. You, you got to nearly all, almost be religious to come to church this weekend, not be on the beach or somewhere. I got a text before I look down my phone. I got a text from Nashville, Tennessee, one of our members in Nashville watching today. Joe, I mentioned your name on this service, so you owe double tithe next week. Amen. <laughs> People watching everywhere. I just appeal to you if you're watching today, you're going to appear before the judgment. Make sure you know the king today. Make sure you know him. Cry out to him. If you get saved today, write us a note and send it to me. If you're on that Warrington campus, trust him today. Come run into the Savior. If you're on a pew at the Pensacola campus, come run into Jesus today. I'm going to pray. John's going to sing. And when he sings, if you're here today and never been saved, come say yes to the Lord. Come. He's saying yes to you. If you're here and ought to join the church, then come out of that great balcony around down this Stairwell, take you. Just come, we'll receive you right here into the body life of our church. Father, thank you for the gospel. 
Thank you, King Jesus, that you died for us. Thank you that you rose. Thank you, Lord, for good news. Lord, we'll be there shortly. Life's a vapor. We know we're coming. I pray that people will get ready for that even today. Father, give courage to people that need to decide. Draw them, I pray. And give them courage to stand in Jesus' name. Amen.